You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Today we're going to be talking about something, uh, thankfully, that uh, we are all pretty gifted in, uh, and that's uh, social media. We at least have some amount of expertise on the matter because we participate, and so we have uh, kind of some idea of what's going on. This week, uh, Facebook had some issues as they had a, we'll call her a whistleblower for now, although I want to get into why... (laughs) <laughs> slash if she's actually a whistleblower in a moment here, because that that's kind of a is she isn't she. But uh, Frances Hagen uh, testified before Congress and uh, revealed a lot of what you would suspect about Facebook, poor security on top of issues like allowing misleading information, um, kind of encouraging a toxic environment. Uh, had a lot of internal emails. She, even by her own admission, didn't have anything special that nobody else in the company knew about. It's not like she oversaw anything. These were just internal emails back and forth where people were like, oh, hey, it looks like this is happening. It looks like this is happening. And of course, Facebook is profiting the entire time. On top of that, Facebook went down at roughly the same time for about six hours, as well as their affiliates like uh, Instagram and um had some problems staying online, kind of almost simultaneously, like while that was happening, uh, leading to, of course, we're libertarians here. We're not, we're not opposed to a good conspiracy theory, are we? So <laughs> a few of those bouncing around as well when that was out at the same time, their stocks crashed. And of course, opened up a broader uh, conversation about how social media is handling uh, things like misinformation, things like security, things like child pornography, uh think <laughs> these difficult uh difficult subjects but that's kind of the gist of it um i i did want to start kind of with the specifics and then get into the general ideas that you have about uh about facebook and social media and everything like that so just you can just hit me with anything that's on your mind um lou you think something very similar to me so brian i'm going to start with you this time uh let, let's have your thoughts uh yeah uh, calling her a uh, whistleblower is a bit of a stretch, more like the um, teacher's pet. Um, and that's the best way I could put it. Uh, the reason being is that you did not hear a single legislature legislator during the line of questioning disagree with anything she said. Uh, the ones that I sat there and uh, muddled through. Uh, just simply uh, set her up uh, like a coach putting balls on a tee for that four-year-old and telling him he's going to be the next Derek Jeter. Oh, yeah, please. Well, (laughs) what if they do this? Bam! Oh, what if they do this? So saying that she's a whistleblower, there's really no new information provided. Now, the timing of the outage is just comical. It's um, just the universe laughing at us um, or the Matrix, whichever way you want to look at it. 
But really, we didn't learn anything new. Uh, the only thing we did here is a lot of uh, requests from legislators going uh, Facebook. Um, unless you want us to inflict something upon you, you need to come here and be nice to us. But there's a bigger issue that's totally being ignored, and that's Mark Zuckerberg pretty much lying in front of Congress. Um, I don't hear anyone talking about perjury. I don't hear anyone talking about uh, bringing him back to get additional questions answered. I, I don't hear any of that. All I hear is just legislators going, hey, uh, we are going to make your life slightly more miserable unless you come here and talk to us and develop new uh, laws that will make you probably more powerful and uh, uh, able to further control the market. So um, I unfortunately have not seen this week's uh, SNL yet. We've been doing a lot of traveling and stuff. So, um, but that being said, it's time to sit there and call it what it really is. Uh, the teacher's pet showed up to Congress. Um, she went ahead and told the teacher everything they wanted to know what was going on inside class when someone called her a poopy face and stuff like that. <laughs> and now the teacher's angry because they were called a poopy face and they want them to come back to class afterwards to learn their lesson. So um, the best thing libertarians can see out of this is um, nothing. So unfortunately, it's going to be more corporate capture of legislation, which I'll get to later on, and um, more fun that we get to deal with as smaller companies get squished uh, it, by various legal groups. Lou, your thoughts. <clears throat> excuse me so I had a chance to right like good timing as soon as i want to talk it's like right eh. um as soon right. like i haven't had a chance to sit and watch all of the hearing and and everything um and i, I planned don't. to just don't <laughs> just just don't um five <laughs> minutes you get the gist so oh, okay just, well continue. then just... i'm an expert um <laughs> i got at least 10 in um no i yeah, like you said, it's nothing we didn't already know. Um, none of it's surprising. You know, some of the chats with other, you know, employees and things like that. Yeah, they're being dicks or whatever, but it's nothing we didn't already know. And how much, you know, how much control do we really want to give social media when it comes to what people can and cannot say? I mean, obviously... People can put out some completely false and even dangerous information. And that's like, obviously, like on a human level, like that's not okay. But do I want our government determining what's okay and what's not okay to be said? No. I want our people to be smarter than they are sometimes, you know. Um, you know, while I was reading through that or like some of the additional surrounding hoopla besides just the the hearing and things that she was saying we were talking about fact checkers um mm. that are they're independent fact checkers that are like contracted through facebook and other social media companies um and i, I can't remember the exact numbers but it was something to the extent of like they had they were contracted with 13 different private companies and one of which was like seven people another it, they're like small handfuls of people who are being just data dumped on every time something trips an algorithm and 
there's no real um, framework for how something is supposed to be fact-checked, what they need to supply in those fact-checks, things like that. Um, and a lot of things that you would think, we would think are obvious that like something's not right here goes ignored while something as stupid as, well, Joe Biden said X, Y, Z. Well, he did, but at some point in the article, they said he was wearing a black suit, but he was really wearing a navy blue suit. Therefore, this is false. Like these kind yeah. of fact checking or, you know, monitoring for it's so poorly done and it's almost intentional when you go back and look at some of the documented conversations that she brought to Congress. Um, again, these weren't big secret emails or anything. They were literally just chat logs between other people in the company, um, basically admitting that they know that it's all bullshit. They're just, they don't care. Um, and they're, they know that when things are more intense, people are, you know, when we can create this environment where people are back and forth and we create these bigger and bigger divides, it makes more money for corporations like Facebook. So there, there is no incentive for them to actually fact check anything um, in a productive or healthy way. Um, yeah. They don't care. They just don't care. It's it's not helpful for their bottom line. So they're just playing a game. Yeah. Uh, I guess I'll, I'll start where you left off because I was going to get into the fact checking. It's one of those things that you just like, it, it, it used to be something that I really enjoyed because it was something I would say like about two years ago, one year ago, I could reliably depend. Of course, there were always misses, but like 90% of the time I, I was like, hey, whatever this is like labeled as misinformation is probably legitimate misinformation. Like this is probably not it. And I would say it's fallen to somewhere around the 50% line, which is really problematic, especially when you realize exactly how biased this is. So I performed an experiment, as did two of my other friends on Facebook itself this week. Um, where we intentionally said misinformation about the vaccines. And you would think that would get labeled in an instant, right? Because you would be like, oh my gosh, like you're in so much trouble uh, because, uh, you know, you, you're, you're lying about the vaccine. That's like the one thing that gets labeled on everything, right? If you're telling something fictitious about the vaccine. The issue was, is we overstated the vaccine. So uh, myself, as well as Sam uh, Coppinger, uh, who we love, member of member. In fact, you heard from him last week. Yeah. Uh, he he and I both posted the vaccine grants 100% immunity. Neither one was hit with a fact check. Not Sam Coppinger. Sam, who am I talking about? Sam Kiplinger. I'm dumb. I'm sorry, Sam. I messed up your name, buddy. I'm here. I am trying to look up your post. I that's gave the your worst thing to get mixed up with too. Just I gave, yeah, that's a 
bad mistake. That's Oof. not, yeah, you're nothing like that, that other guy. Sorry about that. Uh, yeah. Same okay, with I didn't Inger. catch you either, so I'm just as guilty. Oh, yeah, that was a bad, it, there's an Inger at the end. I, I apologize. Whip and cop apparently sound the same. Oh, how, how uh, convenient is that? Anyway, uh, both posted the vaccines give you 100% immunity. Now, here's the problem with that, is that if somebody takes that information as legitimate, you actually can get somebody killed that way because they will go and behave a certain way that is unsafe, right? Like, and it's, but I think the thing about these poses, it's taking the COVID virus very seriously that we say like, oh my goodness, you know, if you take the, if you take COVID seriously and you probably should, and you say something like the vaccines give you hundred percent immunity and people operate on that information, you will end up killing people. Right. So like no fact check, ding on either of us mine didn't even get the like visit COVID 19 information center i don't know why but sam's actually did and then somebody took it a step further uh after uh sam and i did it and uh this is pretty hilarious but again no fact check on this one and uh i'm just gonna read it because it's just too funny but it says did you know that if you get the vaccine COVID 19 vaccine that you'll be 100 percent protected from scarlet fever for the rest of your offspring's life it's true. Do you know what else is true? COVID-19 vaccines are 102.1% effective in the treatment of bee, bee stings. It's true. Ask the person administering the vaccine if you can keep the vial. Bring it home, spit on it, and then put it in your freezer. Wait 30 days in front of your freezer. Then take it out and lick it. You're now immune to domestic violence. It's true. If you don't get the vaccine, you might eventually become immune to smallpox, but it'll take a couple rounds of polio to achieve full immunity. Don't kiss your family members. They'll become allergic to plums. All of these things are the truth. It's true. I can't believe it myself, but it's all true. Share this knowledge so you can protect your loved ones. This was also not dinged by with a fact check. So you can go off the rails as long as you make COVID, the COVID-19 vaccine look amazing, even if it's not true. But if all of a sudden you say like, oh, their effectiveness is like 90, you know, it's only, you know, 99%. And then they'll be like, nope, this is misleading. It's actually 99.75%. You're, you're a liar. You're lying through your teeth. How dare you? Mark your fact check. These fact checkers have called Spike Cohen a Republican before. These fact checkers uh, in a post where we said people are talking about uh, monitoring your accounts. We even talked about this last <laughs> week for $600 transactions. And you can say that and it'll be like, this is ranked as false because it's just a proposal. It hasn't actually passed yet. Yeah, that's what we said, that they're talking about it. That's literally what was said. And you just fact check a thing. That, I mean, you could pretty much copy and paste the proposal and get the fact check to say that your proposal is false because it's still a proposal and it's not actually passed yet. The fact checking is absolutely out of control. It is absolutely biased. And unfortunately, giving control to Congress to take care of it is probably a bad way to go about it. So there was kind of this conspiracy that the whistleblower was intentionally given to Facebook. Now, I don't know if that's true. However, I will say this. Um, I do believe this is kind of a useful idiot kind of situation where they take somebody who, who saw something because, I mean, if they're sending these emails, they know somebody could see them. That's not a mystery that you send a, internal emails to everybody who works. I mean, I had internal emails when I worked for mortgage at U.S. Bank. And I mean, it's as simple as just taking a screenshot with your phone or downloading it. I mean, it's 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 ridiculously easy. If that all of a sudden went public, I wouldn't be like, oh, my internal emails. Like, I mean, it, it's almost public as is. Right. So the issue is, is that like 
this anything that these legislators propose, which, by the way, this is one of the few times that all the Republicans and Democrats were like, yay, you're a superhero because none of them freaking understand. I mean, if you saw the Mark Zuckerberg testimony, it was hilarious because none of them kind of understood how social media worked. I mean, that was hilarious as is. They didn't understand how the Internet worked. I mean, that was that was hilarious to see. But now you've got these guys that are coming through and they don't understand how the security or anything like that works. So they're asking questions from a very base perspective of like, was this misinformation allowed on Facebook? It was? Oh, the horror. It's like, well, I mean, misinformation is allowed when I talk on the streets. Misinformation is allowed, I mean, when I when I talk to my friends. It's just, it, it's all around us. You know, you guys regulating it is not going to help much. I mean, and if you want to talk about people who spread misinformation, Congressman. <clears throat> anyway, they all were like in uniform agreement that like, oh, yeah, we need to do something about this. Drove me absolutely batty. But anyway, um, that she's given their testimony. They're grilling her. And they're just kind of like, wow, what a hero you are. And, and that all the solutions, of course, would benefit Facebook the most. Because they're in the best position to comply with any of these regulations. Because look at this. They're already putting fact checks up. So if you're not allowed to have misinformation, who does that benefit the most? Facebook is at least starting. Even according to the internal emails, the reason they're an issue is because they're like, hey, how do we get these taken down better? Versus something like Twitter or Gab or MeWe that just lets you say whatever the frick you want, right? So then all of a sudden, Facebook is in the driver's seat again. Right. So like it doesn't surprise me at all. I don't believe she was a plant, but I do believe that you are more than willing to have your internal emails get leaked at any time. That's just you know that that's going to happen. Right. Like this is not like a secret CEOs only private message. This was to the people who worked for them. And so it's just it, you know, the leak again, this is and Brian talked on this, but this is why I have a problem calling her a whistleblower. A whistleblower is somebody like Snowden. I mean, this is somebody who spends time in prison. Chelsea Manning spent, you go to prison for telling the truth about these things. You violate a, a non-disclosure agreement or something like this. There's none of that happening right now. It's just like, oh, hey, here's information that everybody knows already, but Congress can act on this. And this is exactly what they want to do. Teacher's pet, I think, is a great term for it because this is the exact person they want at the front and center to say, like, look at all these terrible things that are happening. Now, I'm not going to defend the terrible things that are happening. In fact, one of the things that frustrates me the most about this is that I do like fact-checking, and I do think that fact-checking is important. I'm not sure that any big corporation or government entity should be in charge of all of it, but I love it when people fact-check because I have shared bad information before. It makes me feel stupid. Of course, I can't be everywhere at once. I have to, I have to share other sources that I see. So I'm glad that somebody checks those sources because I am not present everywhere. I'm not just some universal truth teller. I see what I see on the internet and from media. I, I do try to do my best due diligence, but I mean, I, I don't know. I got to go with what seems to be the truth, you know, and then I and then I carry on. So I think the fact checking is important. The trouble is, is what this is doing is making it's putting people into two camps. One first camp fact checking is important and government should do it. And big social media companies should censor anybody who says something that's not a fact, according to them. Second camp fact checking isn't important. There's no such thing as a fact. Truth is whatever I want it to be. And all conspiracies are accurate and the world is flat and uh, all, all that, all that jazz. And unfortunately, like the people who are in the middle, <laughs> like myself, or I'm just like, oh my goodness, like there's not like we've kind of been split into two groups. And this is something that politicians are very good at doing. 
So I shouldn't be surprised. But now all of a sudden I have to either align with the weirdos who, who you know, don't think that there is such a truth or that, you know, everything that's a government ever that NASA is run by aliens and George Washington's mom was a lizard and stuff like that. Like I have to align with them or I have to align with, you know, Mitch McConnell and stuff. And I'm just like, ah, gross, gross on both parts. I don't want to do either one. Um, social media has been a bad, I wanted to close at least my personal segment here by saying social media has been a bad business partner for a little while. Um, we've given them money here. We are libertarians before we haven't done it in a bit because they've been a bad business partner. We used to, you know, give money to them so that they would spread our material. And for a very long time, they've been a really bad business partner. Uh, the fact that we're victim to an algorithm that will ban, I mean, you, you've seen some of the jokes probably. Have you ever seen something get censored and it's really just like a, like it's like a click here to uncover photo, but this is a really graphic image and you click it and it's like a flower blossoming and it's like, you can do it. And you're like, why did the algorithm ding this? You know, and algorithm hits so many weird things. Sorry, go ahead, Brian. The, the reason the algorithm dinged that picture was because it was originally shared by somebody who holds controversial viewpoints. Oh my gosh. Ding, ding, ding. And so when it was starting to get spread, the algo looked at it and went, wait a minute, this is someone controversial viewpoint, and all of a sudden starting to get spread a lot. And of course, the more that it was, you know, hide the photo, all that happened was that the algo started getting more and more stupid because it went, wow, what the heck is this? This must be the next Hitler or something going on here. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So and of course, that, it made more people spread it around. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So the, the algo did the exact opposite of human behavior. So Which that, that's I find a, funny because yeah. it's that in and of itself on a tech level is really embarrassing for Facebook. Oh, yeah, like, I mean, how stupid are you? <laughs> right, it's way dumb. I mean, and, and to finish just my point about about these the algorithm is it'll ban somebody, and unfortunately, it'll ban and take down our books. And I mean, when you've been somebody like Chris Spangle who's given Facebook probably thousands of dollars over the course of your career. When they ban you because somebody told a, you know, a Jeffrey Dahmer saying this doesn't taste like five guys joke. Like it's, a, that's a bad business partner practice. That, you know, that like was that, literally the joke. That was literally oh God, the joke. That's great. That I just literally. had it on guys for dinner, by the way. Right. Oh, nice. That's the joke. <laughs> great. Yeah. We're going to get cooked up, kicked off Facebook right now. Oh, right. We said, we said Jeffrey Dahmer. So like, that's it. Yeah. But like, it's like, that's the problem is that it's like, I am aware that Facebook is is allowed to do whatever the frick they want because it's the internet. Ultimately, that's my libertarian position. Do whatever you want, just as long as you don't hurt people and don't take their shiz. However, I am also allowed to use my freedom of speech to say that I very much dislike their practices. I don't like the way they operate. I don't like the way they treat people. I don't like the way they treat their business partners who have given them money. I don't, I, I, and, and they're just, they're not good people to do business with. So it doesn't surprise me at all that, to see like things like their stocks falling and things that people like people are leaving towards other social media accounts. I, it's hard for me to even count the people. Here's the thing about social media. The product is the people. I only log on to it to talk to you people. And my friends and my family and my mom, my dad, my grandma and everything. And they're all on, so they're all on Facebook. And so that's why we use Facebook. The instant, like all of us find something else, we'll probably leave, right? Like the instant, like you get my mom and grandma and friend and all of them to leave, I'm gone too. 
because that's the only thing keeping me there. The product is soured. Now it's, it's a bit trickier. I talked about this on the main show this week, but it's a little bit trickier because this is, this is not like a burger. I'm actually there for the people. So I need other people to leave before I leave. Kind It's kind of a tough like dance. You know, we kind of all got to gravitate that way, but it's happening. Mm-hmm. It's happened before. People didn't think anything was going to happen to MySpace and it happened. Yeah. People didn't think anything was going to happen to Facebook. That will happen too. It's just mm-hmm. life and something better is going to come up. And that's the great part about humanity. But right now, Facebook's kind of making it easy to do better than them. And they're kind of flunking by trying too hard. They're trying these different things that they're and you kind of just wish you kind of just want to say like can we go back to just letting everybody say what they want to say and let people compete on the ideas of the free market like free market of ideas like i, I just i i find them very uh d- detestable and I, I i don't know i i really i don't love facebook and i don't love congress and so seeing them both together kind of hit a in my brain that just made me be like i i i can't I, I don't want to be here right now. I don't want to watch this. I hate everybody here. I hate everybody in this room. I hate it here. Yeah. I hate the problem. And I also really hate the solution that they're talking about at the same time. So I'm just, right. can I go back to watching the Lions lose in a last second field goal again? Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Well, it could have been worse already. You could have been watching the Packers Bengals game and watched, I think it was five missed field goals. Missed field goals. Oof. Boy, that was wild. Five missed field goals and extra points. Sorry. Five yeah. total. Driven by Mason Crosby. It was, yeah. If you bet on Mason Crosby this week or picked him as your kicker, I'm sorry. (laughs) This is like the, I I think this is the second time in his career that he's like had like a ton of misses and then still ended up being the game winner at the end, where they're just like, Mm -hmm. it's like the second time in his career he's missed like four field goals slash extra points to lose games or, you know, that would have made them win and then still gotten another chance to try anyway. Benefit of Aaron Rodgers. That's a little sports talk, everybody. Sorry about that. Weather but, is next. Uh, boys do yeah. this and leave me out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. But you but know, you know the funny the funny thing we run into with is we talk about Facebook and how it's impacting uh, society as a whole and all the things that are going on with it. We take a look at that, how then government's trying to restrict Facebook, which is then restricting the way it can act. Let's take up Australia, for example, in which the Australian Supreme Court, um, and that's not the name of it, I apologize, but that's their version of it, um, held up an incredible ruling, which is basically you're liable for anything anyone says on your platform, Uh, Yeah, which was incredibly terrible back in February. But now they've ramped it up, and a lot of... News stories are no longer able to be shared or commented on on Facebook. CNN's the first one that is completely pulled out of Australia. So on your Facebook account, you cannot share a news article. Yeah, And if you make a point or a link to it, it's deleted. So this is kind of not a good thing because we're seeing heavy government intrusion in these countries. We already know what it's like in, in some of the more um, dire nations. Um, Australia is kind of becoming on that list because of COVID, but we're seeing these things slowly add up. And the idea that Facebook is a quote, private company is really starting to get very, very gray. Um, if you're acting on behalf of a government entity to do something that, you know, understand illegality, but if you're doing something that in one country, a country of 30 plus million people, not going to be very hard to do the same thing in the U.S. 
in fact, it's probably comically easy judged by the Facebook outage that we had on uh, during all this fun. So, you know, I, I hate to say this, the line between social media and government is getting very, very thin and very, very fuzzy. So at some points, we're going to need to do people are some point people are just going to walk away. Um, it's not worth the, the ugliness and pain to keep up with it, especially the more and more you discourage people from posting things like um, mayonnaise Oreos by Heinz, um, which is the reason I got a, a ding on mine for sharing fake news. Oh, um, my gosh. I forgot yeah, the May Oreo thing. <laughs> yeah, the algorithm was stupid. Yep. Yep. It was great. Um, but that being said, um, as this line keeps getting blurrier and blurrier, and as it gets more and more government capture, it's real simple. What's going to end up happening is that some event's going to cause it to cross the line. And when that happens, a lot of people on the left are going to be utterly shocked. A lot of people on the right are going to be utterly shocked. And then somebody's going to say, do something, and it'll be 100 times worse after they yeah. do it. So I something to look forward to. The whole thing to me is just... You know, and I, I got to thank Dennis because his little quips have been all spot on. These are hilarious. Drop bears and stay for the dark ages. It's so true. Those drop bears are pretty nasty. You know. Okay, but they're adorable. <laughs> they're adorable when they are chewing on your jugular. But yeah, true. you know, true. sure. <laughs> um, but no, I like the whole thing blows my mind. But I, I'm with Hody on like it is really hard to leave. I am a Facebook OG. I got my Facebook account when it very first became a thing and you had to have a .edu email. And I was in college and it was brand new and I had only ever had MySpace. I still used MySpace more. In fact, I remember there being a time where it's like, I have a Facebook, but I'm a MySpace girl, you know, and that was the cool thing. Um, yeah. I miss you, Tom. I'm so sorry. Come back. Come back. We did Tom dirty. We're sorry, Tom. Oh my God, sorry. Tom. So sorry. Tom's, um, Tom's sitting on a boat somewhere. Okay? I know he, he is. Yeah, Tom's good. <laughs> he doesn't need um, our appreciation, is what you're saying. He's okay with just the I, the pretty sure. I do miss MySpace. I also have to yeah. say, like, I feel like there was a benefit to having MySpace that a lot of people. Um, of younger generations don't understand because MySpace taught me how to code. Yeah. MySpace yeah. taught me HTML. Oh, yeah. So, like, that was the coolest thing ever. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. I didn't learn. I, I swear Facebook has only made me dumber. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I, I, I'm with you. The Facebook, like, there are things for Here's what I want to like the lesson I think we should have kind of learned from MySpace is there's a non forceful way to kind of do this and encourage some positivity and encourage like sharing good stories without needing to like throw in some kind of code that tries to mechanically find all the false information or suppress people. I mean, if you just like if you let it go and let people compete for your top eight spaces, it encourages you to be a positive person, right? You're like, oh, I want to be on more people's like, oh, I really like this guy. Like it may. And so it made you be like, I want to have more of these network connections, more of these friendly things, you know, and of course that can get tribal as well. And, and but there are ways to say like, hey, as opposed to just like, let's ban and suppress. 
why not encourage, right? Like, why not have like a po- why not have these incentives to try these uh, tr- try to get these positive things going? Now, obviously, M- MySpace has been something for for a while now. I believe it still technically exists, but I mean, it hasn't been a been a big deal for to a lot of people for a while now. Um, but like, I think that there is some lessons that we could have retained from that as opposed to kind of this, this using force force. Cause, cause I'm not going to come to bat for everybody who is banned and shares terrible information. There was somebody from kind of the LP circles who a white person who liked to use the N word and the Twitter kicked them off or I think it was even only like a 30 day ban or something like that. But everybody got mad because he was like, he only ever said it as a, he never used a hard art. He never used a hard art. And I'm just like, dude, I am not going to come to bat for you. If the best thing about you is that you didn't use a hard R when you used a racial slur. Like, I'm sorry, you're white and you're saying that word. Goodbye. Like, I don't, you know, so like, I, it's not like I'm going to make a big stink over everything. Like, I'm not going to get to these. A lot of people make a big deal about these fact checks that are actually pretty legitimate, right? Like a lot of times you look at it and you're like, Okay, like I see how what this person's saying, but I understand how that might actually be misleading. Okay, great. But when you say something, I, I mean, I don't know if you all have stories about your worst fact checks, but I know that probably the worst one I saw was the when Joe Biden got into that argument with that um, that worker, and it got marked yeah. as fake news, fake news, even if you shared like the original like CNN, Fox, you know, whatever stories. And I was like, oh my gosh, mainstream media is sharing a falsehood. So you know, I click on it, and it's like, here's the thing. He did yell at that guy, but we don't know what the full story was said. And I'm like, but the but the thing only the person's only saying that there was an argument that that he yelled at him and cursed at him, and that actually happened. And you marked it as false, but it actually happened. So yeah. like that is a really bad. Like I think that's in one of those cases. That's like you're way overreaching. And that was kind of the beginning of it. And now really, I don't know if you've caught on to this, but they really got a hard on for Biden. Like any fact check I can find, it's most of the stuff is said is true. It may be, you know, a little exaggerated or it may be, you know, kind of twisted to be satirical, like obvious satire. Um, things like that, or even make conjecture about his physical and mental health, um, which I think we all can agree is questionable at best. Like, I'm not a doctor, obviously, nor have I seen his medical records, but neither of these fact checkers. Well, the first thing is, oh, go ahead, Lou, I'm sorry. (laughs) As I say, when when you really look into the fact checkers, what they're fact checking with isn't much they don't have much to stand on oftentimes their own bias is just as obvious as the original poster's bias and it's it doesn't feel very fact checky Uh, don't be mean to my president don't be mean to uncle joe he's old you know be nice to him yeah but but here's the big question Uh, um how many of these people leave (laughs) senior leadership leave facebook and go to political appointees or go to work for campaigns. Um, there's quite a few. And the quite a few tend to skew Democrat. So uh, I believe Cuomo had um, someone inside Facebook leak him the information about his accusers. And mm, uh, yeah. that information got leaked to the press for some reason. I'm not sure why that happened. But, I mean, let's think about this here, Facebook. 
if you're more worried about somebody you know fact checking uncle joe and you're not more worried about somebody leaking personal information uh for political purposes yeah that's all we need to know um it's it, it's absolutely ridiculous but here's where we are um there's regular essentially there's going to be eventually i think regulatory capture of facebook um one way or another either they're going to capture the government the government's going to capture them and when that happens it's all one big happy family uh until everyone leaves so i actually think i actually am going to say this i really think that facebook will get broken up to a point and of course it'll be advantageous for facebook shareholders and zuckerberg and everyone else um but i really do think that we're going to see facebook's operations all the fun things that go to running social media whatsapp uh insta and everything else will be separate entities to a point and that that will run on um a new co new co whatever it'll be uh platform that will be geared very closely to their partners uh facebook insta and whatsapp so don't be surprised if that there's suddenly a whole list of regulatory requirements to be a large social media company that suddenly come into existence with this little thing uh, that companies are going to be forced then to use Facebook's platform, which then, of course, they're a private entity. They can decide what they do, what they want to and um, discourage additional competition. So. I, if the fear is really like misinformation, like, I mean, just look at like how Parler and MeWe and Gab are doing. Like, you don't oh, need yeah. a regulatory body oh, to no. stop you, to help you out. I mean, it's, yeah. You really don't. And I, I wanted to kind of finish my point about, you know, yeah. being an early adopter of Facebook. I've got almost 20 years of history in Facebook. And so yeah. I've really, like, I've actually toned down because I'm so scared of losing anything i have baby pictures pregnancy pictures from my kids and like all the way back to many years ago i don't want to talk about <laughs> you know and so i i watched a friend of mine uh preston actually got his facebook completely wiped because of mm -hmm. one post mm -hmm. and he lost all the baby pictures of his newborn baby and all this stuff and i know like the logical side of it is like well don't let that be the only place you keep it but even without saying it what facebook has done is they have positioned themselves to be your private journal your photo album your this and that and the other and the digital age and it's all here and available for you in fancy organized way that you put it right because i'm part of this generation i don't have a ton of like physical photos of my kids yeah. they're almost all digital and you know with the exception of like school photos that are like on the refrigerator that sort of thing i don't that's just a reality for my generation and, and younger and i think that that is actually something that needs to be looked at like okay you want to yank people off your platform left and right Maybe they should also look at like, okay, we're going to do, I don't know what you'd even call it, a quarantine your Facebook account where you can still access it, get your data. Because there is an option to data download your entire Facebook. And that includes all of your photos, all of your posts, all of your cachet, everything, all of your conversations, your, your messages. There is a way to do that. 
it is tedious and it takes a lot of time and it is a shite ton of data that you've got to then figure out how to comb through. Um, but there is a way to do it. And I do do that fairly regularly, which reminds me I need to do it soon. But so I'm one of very, very many people. It's like having your house burned down and all of your photographs yeah. of all your family going missing. It's terrifying, you know, and I don't I haven't expanded out to other platforms. You know, at one point I was looking into like MeWe or whatever, and I realized it was just a bunch of like alt righties for the right. most part and like and they just oh and i was like oh that's gross i don't want to be there and to be honest no one does it as good as facebook and i hate that yeah i hate it you know when twitter first came out it was literally just you know sharing a post of words of 140 characters now you can do more obviously but i was like why would I go from really? platform A that lets me do ten all 10 things I want to do yep. to another one that only does one thing? And then Instagram only did pictures. And then and it seemed so stupid to me when I had an all-in-one. Now, obviously, a lot of those platforms are expanding in their ability to do lives and different types of posts and, and things like that. Um and, and of course, they're all geared towards different audiences. Like TikTok is the new thing. And I'm such a boomer. I can't figure it out. I don't understand it. <laughs> but again, I don't want to have to leave Facebook. I wish they'd get their shit together. Leave people alone. As long as nobody's actually harming anyone, there's no reason to step in. I'm well, glad you brought up how good Facebook does it. Because this is the problem I have with moving over to something like Twitter. Because Twitter is something... I may even, we, we will see, I may even get a blue check mark on Twitter because of my work with Game Rant, right? Oh my gosh, big deal, right? But like, that's where people like communicate with me for video game stuff. When they just default, they don't know me, but they want to contact the author. Where did they go? They go to Twitter, right? So like, I have to have a Twitter because there's a lot yeah. of stuff over there, right? And so I, I actually had to like turn in my stuff and it's not a big deal, the blue check mark, guys. If I can get one, pretty much, I mean, anybody can get one. But just oh to let you God. know that it's like you're actually, oh my gosh, it's the actual writer for Game Rant. It's one of the 50,000 of them. Oh my gosh. Yeah, no, I it really, but it's one of those things that people want to know that it's actually that person, you know. Um, but like, it, you know, so, so the problem is, is that people want to contact me on Twitter and that's fine. Like it's great for these small, brief interactions. I don't have anything brief to say about politics. I don't have anything brief to say. Like, if anything that I say about under 140 characters is not going to be accurate about the complex situations that we face today. Anything that I say about my, I mean, how much I love my family and at less than 140 is going to be difficult to do. And, oh, you can put a picture in there, but it really kind of doesn't work well and it gets like suppressed a little bit and it's not really meant for sharing links. And I'm just kind of like, well, so what is this? Just celebrity follows, I guess? I, I don't know, man. Like, And like, you're right, Lou, the, the, one of the problems is that it, Facebook really does, that this is what got me in was the good service part of it that you were talking about like 20 years ago. This is the reason people made the jump from MySpace. They're like, oh my goodness, like this is so cool. Look at how I can put all these pictures up here. Look at, I can, 
I can look at how, how I can talk to everybody and look at how I can say as much as I want or as little as I want or anything like that. You know, okay. <laughs> uh, I need a screen. Hang on. I got to yeah. screen grab this. Really yeah. Quick. Reinhold says, quote, I don't have anything brief to say, unquote. Hody John's 2021 hashtag facts. No, this is this is accurate. Oh um, yeah, <laughs> I, I just I just don't. I'm sorry. This is why I have a podcast that goes for two hours instead of 20 minutes. I mean, it's just <laughs> these these are complex issues and they deserve to be take talked about in a complex way and the people who watch this show appreciate that and understand that and the message we get is saying i'm thankful that you view different aspects of the site so like all of us may have a similar point of view but we all have our different experiences they come together and it's important to share them and i just it's just not for me i guess you know some people are really great with a bumper sticker and i'm just not so i guess like twitter is for great for bumper sticker people but i'm not a bumper sticker person Brian, you had something to say before I cut you off. I'm basically that that's all I have just, to say on this issue. One more thing. I'm just going to take yeah. a quick two minutes, hopefully, on what happened with Facebook when they went down and that it wasn't the Illuminati. It wasn't the federal government. Um, it was probably a low level tech who is currently updating their resume and uh, getting it out as quickly <laughs> as possible. Uh, yes. <laughs> Yeah, and I can explain this outage in three things. There's three things when you go to a website. Uh, I am this website. Uh, This is where you can find this website, and let me take you to it. Three things there. So usually those three things are done by three different entities, companies, businesses, whatever, public uh, service. But in Facebook's case, they don't. Facebook has their own domain registrar, so they've... Uh, Facebook runs that themselves. So the part that is, I am Facebook, uh, that's on Facebook's network. The next part that is, I will let you know where Facebook is, the domain name service, is also on Facebook. Uh, And the way they do updates and to those name servers and everything else is a very short amount of time. Uh, It's uh, like about five minutes. Um, And the third thing of, and I can take you there, is also unique to Facebook because Facebook runs runs one of the biggest networks in the world that we know know of besides the U.S. government. Facebook has their own internal network that routes all the traffic globally. Um, They're able to shuffle traffic back and forth all over the place. And you do this with some commands in, in networking called BGP. Uh, you're able to go ahead and just load balance, be able to move things around. So because Facebook does all those three things, if the part of and I'll take you there breaks, all the rest of it breaks too. So if I blow up the highway to your house uh, because, you know, I'm going like I hate anarchists, and I'm going to blow it up and surround you and you can't leave your house. That's what Facebook essentially did to itself. Um, uh-huh. So uh, tech put in a silly little command that not only took down the DNS servers because nothing could route to them, uh, but then also took down all traffic. Now, the other kind of funny thing on this is that everyone who works in IT has done something similar to this. You make an oops and you go, whoa, wait a minute, what I just do? Let me undo that very quickly. Hopefully no one saw that. Let me go make sure my LinkedIn's updated and I'll go start putting in for jobs. Um, but it happens. Um, but in this case, they couldn't fix it right away because everything that Facebook uses is over the Facebook network. And Facebook uh, essentially took itself off the internet. So not only could you not get back in to fix your oops, um, but also all of the doors to the data center, uh, they run over Facebook's network. 
uh, those couldn't be accessed. Uh, all the key cards couldn't be accessed. Uh, the internal network that you'd go to call somebody could not be accessed. They literally had to fly someone in, apparently, to go open the doors <laughs> to get into the server rooms, of which they are extremely difficult to get into. This became a physical thing? Like yeah, they had to physically, thing. Oh, physically goodness, go in. Because when they nuked their DNS, they nuked their remote, remote access. And when you have also nuked your internal network, remote access has nothing to route to. So, oh. so essentially, this little oops uh, caused the entire network to fail. Um, anyone that works in IT goes, yeah, I can see that happening. Um, and it's, it's actually very simple to do because, uh, as you said, the Internet is not this grandiose uh, tower of knowledge. Um, it's literally little servers being held by uh, together by bailing wire and duct tape. <laughs> being run right. by the lowest level tech that uh, that we let in this week so the uh, way, that we gave access to. Right. So the way I looked at it and because I've I have run, you know, I've been the one to deal with mm -hmm. the DNS servers for a handful of different websites and campaigns. And I've totally accidentally nuked a site or two in my day. Um, we don't it need happens. to talk about that. Yeah. Um, it does happen. <laughs> However, when you are this multi-billion dollar company, there should be better safeguards. Yep, there, there are, are Nine, safeguards for that. Yeah. It almost felt a little bit of like, I can't tell if this was like so stupid or so intentional. I, I, I'm a big believer in never blame on malice what you can equally based on uh, blame on stupidity. And, I, yeah. I do agree with I, that. Um, as someone who has definitely accidentally nuked even their own website because of a stupid DNS error. I, <laughs> I, I work for one of the largest fiber optic companies in the world and I've cut my own fiber at my house. So, oh no! Nice. It's now known. Um, no, it, it's one of those things that when you go back and look at it, and the nature of the outage. If this was a true attack on Facebook, oh, or you yeah. know, disgruntled yeah. employee, or whatever it was, there's far more evil you could do um, that yeah. would cause. I mean, this was a kind of a singular event that exposed a weakness that probably was brought up in several meetings. Um, the one thing I always say is that. Um, if you think your network's going to never fail, you're going to eventually find out um, <laughs> one way or another. Right, exactly. Uh, yeah. And it's those items that, uh, honestly, that the tech that did that is, uh, it's like with any business. If, a if, a, if an employee makes a mistake, you, you go to that employee, if they're really, you know, remorseful and, oh, my God, don't fire that person. Uh, keep them on because I guarantee you, they are going to be the person that's going to stop the next person from making exactly. the same mistake. You know who you sound like right now? Larry Sharp. <laughs> that's, that, good that's where I think I heard it from. Lou and I both was, like Larry a lot. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's I remember good. that conversation. Yeah. I've had that conversation with Larry several times about yep. campaign stuff. But I, I wanted to quickly kind of mm -hmm. finish up my point about what that reminds me of is like when you go in to the hospital room and you like unplug something so you can plug your phone in, but oops, turns out it was life support. And like, it's not as easy as just plugging it back in. Now you got to call 
whole code and like mm -hmm. to revive the patient, right? Like that's kind of what it is. It's so simple to break, but it's Lou, Lou, it if you're if you're talking about personal experience, I'm gonna ask you to stop right now. I don't want you to incriminate yourself. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I often do say that like um if I'm I I my husband and I, of course, you know, the conversations you have when you're married about like, okay, so we should talk about what do we want, you know an end of life and stuff like that. And I, I have often told them, I said, you know, obviously depending on circumstances, if it's not recoverable or whatever, like just a chew, pull the plug. <laughs> I was like, leave me on life support until your phone battery's getting low. <laughs> like, that, you know, I figured that that buys me a little time to see if I might recover. And then if not, then it's time to unplug me. It's this okay. this is this is a real good question though. What kind of phone does he have? Does he have a cheapo phone that he got from Walmart? <laughs> no, does he, he have one of those got... old brick Nokia's that would last until oh my the, God, until the Nokia's. sun is a cold dark cinder? This is an important question. Oh my gosh. No, he's got he's got a newer phone, but it you know it gets decent battery life, but it's certainly no Nokia. <laughs> We're uh we're getting into end of life stuff, which I think would be an awesome topic for yes. an episode. Oh. As I really far do as too. Bodily I have autonomy there. Like time to talk about. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> that's when I actually. Unfortunately, you both are talking about uh, you know IT and coding and and whatnot like that, and that's something, especially in gaming, I probably should know, but unfortunately, I just don't. I'm on the, like there's two sides of the equation, and I'm on the other side of the equation of that one. And there's and I I know it. I see it all the time. I mean, there's a. You know, when somebody's working with the Unreal server and they type in a one instead of a zero and then everything explodes and all the fire turns blue. And like, I'm just like, I don't, I don't know, I guess. Like, <laughs> like somebody has to explain it to me and they're excited about it. And I'm excited that they're excited about it. But I won't lie, like at, at the end of the day, I, I would need to start with like a 101 class and build up from there. Because I understand, it's, I know it's not one of those things that I couldn't understand right now. I just haven't. Because it's, I mean... Coding of all things is one of those. I mean, heck, the Khan Academy will be like, oh yeah, even before they're learning ABCs, you can take these coding classes and get them started there. And I was like, wait, no, wait, really? And they're like, yeah, oh my yeah, kid, my six-year-old was taking coding classes. Yeah, they're talking like six years old. They're just like, yeah, if you know, like, it, 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 we can we can teach you starting from there. And I'm I'm impressed because of course you know we have some young gamers I, in our house, but yeah, coding classes. Um, oh God, no. I, Dennis, Dennis, if this is a cry for help, please let's reach out to resources that can help you. No one should have to experience that. Um, no, but seriously, I, I kind of see coding as, and even just HTML, as like learning a foreign language. Um, yeah. this, the, once you learn a little bit of it, once you learn one foreign language, your brain rewires to be able to learn others a little bit more easy. There are those people that can speak 37 languages and no, I'm not wired that way. Um, but same thing with code. Um, so I'm, I'm excited when I see coding classes for six-year-olds. That is fabulous. Yeah. Fabulous. Was, her elementary that... school was a STEM academy. And oh, that great. Was their, yeah. It was that fantastic. Is fabulous. Ugh. Well, that's just all the for all the all all the more. Really I, I'm glad I'm the age I'm at because if I were like 20 years younger, I would not. I, I know by the end of my life, I wouldn't have any place in this world. So I'm just you, you will, Hody. Hody, <laughs> the one thing it's funny because I I I'm 50 now and I walk into business uh, customers of mine, and I've got kids that are their age and they look at me like, Dad, what are you doing here? You know that type of thing. <laughs> 
But I find it funny because a lot of the same lessons I've learned, even though the technology has changed completely in, in my career, um, a lot of the lessons are still the same. So, you know, the, the thing is this, if you're trying to keep up with the technology, and this came from a, a customer of mine, very brilliant uh, guy, um, said, you're never going to keep up with the technology. The technology is going to just whiz right past you. But if you understand the lessons that you learn along that way, you will always be relevant. Oof. As someone yeah. who started a career in, you know, social media marketing, let me tell you, that's tough. Because while the marketing stuff has never really changed, like I actually had to retire from social media marketing because I cannot keep up. No. Like I'm now like, oh, the TikToks that the kids play on. Like <laughs> I can't, like I was kicking ass when it was just Facebook and Twitter. Oh my God. Like I can't, the TikToks and these kids these days. Those darn kids did TikToking and stuff like that. I remember when we had to write a letter, you know. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't get TikTok. I really don't understand it, but I know it's only going to be here for a little bit. Something different will come along. Right. It's and moving too better. fast for you to keep up anymore. Yeah. So it, as I said, the technology is not the, the thing. You can always find a warm body that's going to understand technology better than you and warm body is a terrible phrase to use, but they're inexperienced. And right. with your experience and wisdom, you can say, yeah, you know, you can go ahead and start a social media company that, that can do, we can send out these type of things, but let me tell you, Oh, oh God. TikTok right. is just the new vine says Reinhold. <laughs> I don't know. It's yeah, already or, black or Banyan, uh, yeah. I love Vine. I love yeah. Vine, I guess. I I'm too. sad that I have to make it past tense, but those are great. Yeah. What but, are those? But, Anyhow. It, it's one of those things that's just the lessons are far more important than the technology. And yeah. if you keep that in mind, honestly, no matter what happens, unless they're plugging in directly, putting an Ethernet port into the side of your head, you're probably going to be okay. Yeah, right. I'll try. I'll try to stay on top of it. I mean, it's one of those like if it actually became necessary, I have no problem learning something new. I'm um, I'm happy to I'm have to. a generation of like Caitlin Clovens coming up behind me. You know, I was like kind of the older generation that did a lot of the uh, LP political campaigning on social media, and then you know a few years ago along came Caitlin and she's whooping my ass, and I was very happy to pass the torch to people like her and Chrissy. She even looks like a future tomorrow person, doesn't she? Oh my God, I, like I'm just look at her and I'm like, this is what this is what humanity is now. I'm the, the time of me is done. The time of Caitlyn is yeah. here. Yeah. Oh my God, Caitlyn is killing it. Her torch. and Chrissy Wickers, like they yeah. both. Just, <laughs> yeah, they're so I, good. I have a question though. I never thought that the Hunger Games would be setting fashion. That and also the Fifth Element. Those oh, two yeah. things. I love it. I'm <laughs> I I am. Dumbfounded. I got a pair of these really cool leather patchy pants the other day that I cannot <laughs> wait to wear. Not even kidding. I'm all about it. I'm here. I can keep up with fashion. They put <laughs> I, that shit out on the shelf for me to go, okay. Like, I can't keep up with the technology, but the fashion I got, as long as they don't start putting tech in the fashion. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, no, that's coming. <laughs> that's coming. Um, but I, I just want a hoodie that I can just, you know, I'm, I'm at that age now where I find something comfortable. 
And I go, I really like that. I'm going to go out and buy like three, four more copies of it. So I can wear it the rest of my life. Don't get me wrong. I do that too. I really yeah. do do that too. I The vast majority of my wardrobe consists of different leggings with oh, dope cool. tattoo patterns on them. Okay. I, I worry Ooh. often when I log on to hear that. I'll uh, be like, people think I didn't shower because I'm wearing another gray or white shirts because i just have a million <laughs> right. gray or white shirts to swap on you know oh, i get called out for wearing my bears one but the bears hey, one is a day, great so. day to wear it though today yeah. is a great day to wear it. i am going to move things along to the next segment everybody hang on just for a second through commercials uh bear with us it's how we make tons of bucks but if you do that you will be well rewarded by getting a piece of our mind just afterwards so we'll be right back Thanks for holding tight, everybody. <laughs> Welcome back to Enemy of My Enemy. This is the Peace of My Mind segment. Uh, I will start here, and I want to start just on something kind of light and fun. I don't even necessarily have a lot to say about it, um, but I just saw it happening. And I saw that Jon Stewart is coming back to television since leaving The Daily Show. Uh, he looks just like my dad. Back in 20. Yeah, <laughs> back in 2014. Um, and here, here's, uh, I think... The, the whole legacy of Jon Stewart is kind of something that makes me, it, it, it kind of is a teaching lesson. Because I think when Jon Stewart was most true to himself and knew what he was the most, that is when he was doing the best. And his readings, ratings peaked in 2012 and as far as people watching him. And I just think that was just peak. I remember just watching him being like, oh, yeah, this is great. This is going places. This is funny. And then it um, it kind of fell apart a little bit. So, you know, for three straight years, then the ratings went down. And then Trevor Noah took over. And uh, I'll be honest with you, the show um, is, like, for me, I just find to be total crap now. I, I think The Daily Show is just completely garbage at this point. I, and not even because, like, a Trevor Noah pisses me off because he's so left. But, like, he just... I, I think so. Somebody for, who uh, guests uh, guest hosts interviews or whatever on the Young Turks uh, said it, and I find that the Young Turks are left enough for me to quote them. But he's just like everything there is just race now, and there's not even like there's not even a, like a conversation that you get that's not race. And it's like I understand that race is a lot, but when that's like your only thing you talk about, you isolate a lot of your viewers, and you're just not progressing anywhere. And like, so I, I enjoy talking about race. I get into the race debate. So I'm certainly progressive to the fact that I think that there are racist institutions that absolutely have to be dismantled, not just changed, but ripped apart at the core of their being that exists here in America. And I encourage ripping them apart completely. I am so super down with that. But when you're like, you're running a comedy show and just everything is race, 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 race. You're just kind of like, oh my gosh, even like even like Chris Tucker switches up sometimes like Chris Rock, like switches it up sometimes. Can you please like just sometimes make something that isn't about that? And, and I feel like when you said the young Turks, I was like, all right, that kind of acknowledges something that I kind of noticed about it that I didn't really like anymore. And of course the ratings reflect this. Trevor knows doing as poorly as, as you can imagine taking over from John Stewart. I think it went down like another 37% after he took over and it's like up a little bit, but just because all ratings are up a little bit. The Daily Show and actually all uh, late night comedy specials have been surpassed by Gutfeld from freaking Fox, <laughs> right? Like that is the number one watched is... late night program, right? 
Oh, that show is so terrible. And it's terrible, but like <laughs> Wait, it kind of puts in perspective. About the old red eye show, are we? yes, yes. Yeah. Except now it's gut felled, which gut is like, with an It was better when it was red eye. Yeah, it was better when it was I really red enjoyed eye, red eye. Just, I'm not a red, fan of red eye. Was like, mm, but yeah, but for Fox, was just it was nice. Terrible. It was a nice break from the uber conservative. Yeah, and it's right. And, and the thing is, is like, but I what I will say about Gutfeld is that it is it's comedy first and politics second. And I think that when things, when you, when you turn to a place for humor, look, we're politics first. I mean, it's just the entire concept of the show is that we talk about issues from a left, right, and center libertarian perspective, left, right, and center are political terms. Libertarian is a political term. I don't fool anybody by being like, this is a comedy show here for good laughs. And sometimes you might get a political nugget or two, but when the daily show started going down was really when it became all about the politics and the humor became second. And I think it's too bad because I think I really loved Jon Stewart when he was trying to be funny, when he's trying to be his funniest. Instead, what he did is he started taking issues and ways that he wanted to skew them and say, how do I make this funny? As opposed to this is funny. How do I make it work? And the order there is very important. So like, I think what I'm, I'm anticipating the problem with Jon Stewart. And the reason being is because I'd like, I'm hoping that what he has taken with this time off it's time to say, hey, maybe I could do something funny, right? With, yes, and Reinhold, you're talking about the glory days with, yeah, Steve Carell. I mean, Colbert was on it. John Stewart. Yeah. I mean, that was an excellent comedy show. Yeah. And yeah. unfortunately, what it's, like, I mean, Colbert, like, even that, when you're losing to Gutfeld, it's time to maybe say, like, oh, my goodness. Colbert used to be so funny, but then it became about the politics first, comedy second. And this is just the sad part because Colbert used to be so funny. People didn't even know if he was serious. Remember that when like Doritos was sponsoring his, his campaign for president, they were like, is that even legal? And like, just <laughs> this amazing, like it's, it's hilarious. It was like vermin supreme a little bit. And now yeah. it's yes. just kind of like, I mean, it, I mean, like right there with like Jimmy Kimmel, where it's like, I mean, there is another guy who another late night host rankings are down losing to Gutfeld. I want you to put this in your mind. Every time you think of somebody, this guy is now worse than Gutfeld. That's what you need. Like, that's how bad we're at with late night comedy shows right now. I my hope, my wow. hope is that with Jon Stewart returning is that he returns to form of his, his 2012 form where he was like, oh my goodness, this is what funny is. I'm going to put humor on a pedestal. And I'm, and that's what I'm going to go for. He really started going negative. He really dislikes libertarians. So I won't lie to say like, if he doesn't do well, I won't, I won't shed any tears, but I like to laugh and I do tune into comedy specials and, and I am looking for a good one. Cause frankly, for a lot of this, I mean, and I say this with the utmost respect, but Gutfeld sucks. And that's the highest rated one. So right there, right. Kimmel sucks. Daily show sucks. Uh, Colbert Report sucks. I mean, we are at a place now where I'm like, oh my goodness, can like, can somebody like get back? And I know they're like gross people, but like the Letterman squad or something, like we need something to go back to what it used to be. Cause it's, this is rough. Um, at least as far as where we're at right now. So I'm hoping that Jon Stewart actually brings oh that God. back. And that like, I'm hoping that he's taken this time to, been like, to be like, okay, here's what, my the height of my glory was and here's why it was that and i'm hoping the time gave him off to think about that that's kind of all i had to say about it it's not really all that deep but it's just when i'm analyzing late night comedy shows you know because i'm kind of it, they're in a bad place right now mm -hmm. <laughs> i uh, 
I, okay. I just have to chime in. I have to chime in, Dennis. You are 100% correct. The last good late night show host was Craig Ferguson. I love him. He was fabulous. And I 100% understood why he left. Um, because there was so much control and it was no longer about having fun. It was, we have a, we have a platform. We need to send a message. So yeah. sorry, Lou, please. I'm, oh, I'm, no, I, I agree with that. you. Craig Ferguson was phenomenal. Um, I have to come to my boy, Trevor Noah's defense. Like if anybody knows me, they know that like Trevor Noah is my, is like number one on my list for like the next husband. Ooh. Like, yeah. So he's in line for number four. Not like, sure. Look out. <laughs> right. He Well, he knows. He knows. He bought me tickets. Let me tell you, the most depressing thing that happened to me over this pandemic was I had tickets to go see Trevor Noah at Notre Dame. And it got canceled because of COVID and they mm. have not rescheduled it. And I'm still mad about it. Mm. But That's I have to say, while you are correct, race is a lot of his commentary. Um, I think, you know, to use your own words, Hody, we can't deny someone's experience. And as a light-skinned man born in South Africa mm -hmm. and then moving to America, race has been a massive experience and impact on his life. And given the culture and society we're in today, particularly over the period of time where Trump was president. And I think that's really where we saw a lot of that pick up. It is understandable that that was the context of a lot of his discussions. However, I agree. I wish, you know, I do miss more of the comedy format of the show. However, Trevor Noah, if you really sit down and watch his shows and you can find plenty of them that are not on race, but on other political subjects, no, it's not as humorous as it as the show used to be. Um, but he does have he's very insightful. And I think part of that insight comes from his experience of being from South Africa and moving <laughs> here and working in in entertainment. Um, that has had a huge impact on him. And he he's very insightful on a lot of subjects. And so I really like Trevor Noah because he does deliver information in a way that a younger group can take in and hear. But a lot of what he talks about is he's very level headed. You know, he's like, okay, yeah. So this is an issue we're seeing and people are mad about it, but you can be mad about it without being an idiot or whatever. And so he's, Actually, I find his um, banter or what have you to be actually really good for the more left-leaning younger group because it keeps them a little more centered. Um, and it can, he does have a way of being like, hey, let's not be stupid. Let's not be extreme. Let's not be violent. Yes, these are issues that need to be addressed, but how do we address them better. And I have to give him credit for that. Um, and while I agree, I do miss the more comedic take from those shows back in the day. Um, they're honestly, they're really only kind of following what Facebook has created and that politics is the bulk of our entertainment these days. And that is unfortunate because it is yeah. not very entertaining. <laughs> well, uh, it's keeping these 
people that are genuinely kind of pretty terrible in the limelight. I, I just, uh, it, it, it's so frustrating to watch this, especially for these shows to pack themselves as humor and, and they're not. Right. Um, go back to what Norm MacDonald and yeah, South Park is probably the last neutral I place. love South Park. South so Park much. and even I'll even say Mar, uh, Bill Mar is probably the last place where someone will get torn into left or right. But that was what John Stewart or Stewart did as well. He tore yes. into both sides pretty evenly. I mean, he was a little more left leaning, but at least it would be the, the big part was that it was funny. So let, let's go back to Norm MacDonald, who unfortunately passed away recently. And one of the things he says that a, a good comedian should hunt for laughter, not applause. When you look at everybody on late night television right now, they just want applause because yeah. applause is ratings. They don't want to be funny. That's why Dave Chappelle, I think, is getting a little tired of comedy um, and is doing the things that he's doing. Yeah, because I love oh, Chappelle's hilarious, and no one is looking for laughter, they're looking for self realization applause to say that they're doing something right. Yeah, and if if that's what your shtick is, I got news for you it's gonna start here, and your audiences are gonna dwindle. Where have we seen that? Oh, just what Hody was talking about. Yeah, the we look at Craig Ferguson, Craig Ferguson was apolitical on purpose uh there's a couple things you could pick up his libertarian leanings and stuff like that obviously pretty easily but then you look at people like johnny carson and david letterman they pretty much kept politics out of it the the, the whole thing right. was humor they would make fun of the person not the platform you right know, you exactly. can make fun of you can make fun that. of i i would love to have seen carson or letterman and all the cuomo stuff that was going on because oh that would have been just imagine? Letterman with Cuomo. <laughs> oh, that would have been hysterical. that would have been delicious. But it, it was never going to happen on Colbert. It was no. he may have made a couple of comments and things like that, but no one was going to hear it. And I honestly think it's going to eventually just fade. Um, the the yeah. thing is, these type of these type of shows are dying. We've seen um, it with Saturday Night Live too. Their comedy yeah. is political and mean now it, it can be there's yeah i i never understood and and maybe i'm maybe i'm crazy or something like that i never understood the abject hatred for like people like sarah palin and stuff like that, and where they would make fun of her for being her i understand she's goofy and she is a weird lady but at the time when she was running with mccain which man, we all want to relive that unfortunately <laughs> but it was it was really mean a lot of times it's just mean. There's always ways to make fun of somebody that's funny yet right. still a little constructive. And right. um, Saturday Although Night Live, Tina's impression was spot on. <laughs> yeah, Tina Fey's impression was spot on. But did you hear what happened on that? It was me. Phelan was kind of thrust into the national spotlight, obviously coming on McCain's thing. And Tina Fey apparently had her baby at the show, and uh, Sarah Palin being you know saying hey i got my daughter here do, do you want her to watch the baby while you do the show i think genuinely being nice not genuinely being like you know haha give me your child and i'm gonna show them where russia is um <laughs> but you know it, it's one of those things that they kind of 
pour into her for doing that. And I was kind of going, are you doing that because you want the laughs or that you can't understand that someone would, would do that? That someone would say, you know what? Hey, I've got someone here. You know, if, if you've got to go run home or something, you know, she can watch her. You know, she's a good, good kid. I think that speaks more to the cultural differences between a small town like Wasilla, Alaska. Yes. And Hollywood. Yeah. Or, or New York. <laughs> New York. It, it really is. But that's the big thing about this is that when I, I work with a lot of people in Southern California and, of course, out here, we're just a bunch of hillbillies. Um, <laughs> it, it really is flyover country. Um, they, 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 they think that we all drive our pickup trucks, voted Trump, everything else. Not all of them. Don't, please don't get me wrong. But again, it's, it's, you know, when you sit down and talk to people, there's amazing how many things we have in common once again, that, that just totally get ignored. Um, because media and social media doesn't make money off that. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. This kind of taps into like a religious part of me where I think that love is a well that doesn't run out, whereas hate does. And I think people can have enough of hate. And I think that when you're just when you've got eight different comedy shows that are about hate, that's funny for a little bit, but it's a well that runs dry. You know, whereas whereas I find that humor is really like very in touch with like the gods. Right. Where So that's one that comes from. That's something that's kind of endless. And I think people are just kind of looking for more of that. I know I'm looking for more of that right now. Mm-hmm. And I mean, not to diss on your man, Trevor Noah. Here's the thing. Born a Crime is a great book, and it really helps understand, like, where he came from, his upbringing and, and race and all that. And I understand that. But when you've managed to turn off the Young Turks because you've gone so far left and talking about race all the time, you've you've committed a pretty bad crime. And, like, that's kind I, of the reason why crime. his ratings have suffered, right? Like, sorry, thought crime. You've committed I wouldn't a even call it thought crime. I would just say uh, career suicide. Yeah, and like it's fine if you find if you find it funny. That's like that's everybody's got like their diff- different kind of thing. Like I'm not just trying to make this like why he sucks. I just think that this is kind of there's a hole I think in comedy, and I'm hoping that John Stewart can fill it because when you're leading your lead rating show is Gutfeld. You've got kind of a problem. I mean, like we we kind of hit a golden age. We kind of took it for granted. I know I did. I thought things were only going to get funnier and funnier. And now it's kind of like, it makes you long for the days when like Jay Leno was hitting the stage. And I think that that's um, kind of I mean, it's like, no. Yeah, see some people like like comedies for everybody. Like it's, it's, everybody's got like a, everybody's got like a thing. But yeah, yeah. I mean, my my only point was that like, I, I just hope that John Stewart kind of brings something back or somebody. I think that this was a good opportunity to talk about. But comedy, comedy today back. is too offensive, no matter what you say. So we can't have that. I find that I do believe there is a way to be funny without either. You can be political about everything like with South Park or you can be political about nothing. Like, and just tell like, like, I mean, Jesselnick jokes or something like that. Like, I right. mean, there's just, there's ways to do it. And I understand that like people like, Brian, you're talking about like wanting the applause and I, I totally agree with you, but I think for some people, like, I mean, Jimmy Kimmel went from being like, let's make all the, you know, the drunk dads laugh to let's make all the college students laugh and by mocking the other ones. And so who's your audience at that point when you've made both of them feel abjectly stupid with your comedy? It's kind of nobody. Right. And I mean, this is, I mean, the guys even had to take like breaks and stuff because I mean, of, of past stuff that he's done and, a lot of the past stuff that he's done wouldn't be an issue if he didn't 
do the comedy that he does today because it condemns his old comedy by his own words, you know, like it wouldn't be a big issue except that he's kind of made it that way. I don't know. Maybe I'm just complaining. Eh, comedy, what it used to be. I'm, I'm sorry if I sound like old. I think there's a lot of things that are better than ever in this world. I just think that nighttime comedy. I agree. Uh, is probably I not, agree. Not I have right. to say, you both have met my dad. Oh yeah. Um, do you remember the pictures of John Stewart um, in Congress? Like when he went and spoke to Congress. If you knew my dad before, like several years ago, he had a nose job because he'd had his nose broken several times and had like a yep. crazy deviated septum. So his nose looks very different now. But years ago, it looked just like John Stewart's nose. Aside mm -hmm. from the nose and having met my dad, I just need some confirmation that I'm not the only one. But my dad and him are like doppelgangers, right? Like it's pretty close. Pretty close. <laughs> pretty close. Especially now um, that John Stewart's got the beard going, yeah. right? Right. Like it's, well, it's, yeah. it's actually it's, more it's than close. Now. It's close. Yeah. He's definitely got the hair and and the beard. That yeah, it's, like it's they look close. so much alike. It's oh, if you could have seen the old nose. I'm probably going to get grounded for that. But, I, I mean, it really was medically necessary. He didn't get like a nose job to get pretty. <laughs> I didn't think my segment pretty. was going to take that long, but I have gone over time. So no, it's okay. So I, I just, I hate to eat into your segments. So uh, Lou, why don't you tell us a piece of your mind this week? Oh, let's see where to start. Um, okay. First, this isn't really a piece of my mind, but a quick shout out. Um, and I don't even know that how much public information this is yet, but I'm going to spill the beans a little bit. Um, we have officially gotten the band back together. And I'm going to publicly shame Hody for not joining the band. <clears throat> um, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, Larry Sharp is running again. We're going to do the damn thing this year. And thank God I have been waiting for this for four years. Um, I think everybody knows, like, I've pretty much up and left the Libertarian Party and retired from campaigning. But I have always said the day that Larry Sharp texts me, I'm in. You know, and so I got that text the other day and I was very excited. Currently, I am operating as volunteer coordinator. So if you're out there and you want to come work with the amazing team that has been built and existed for four years now and we really know our shit, come join us. I'm excited. Let's do it again. Um, okay, so that's not my, that's more of a promo and less of, the piece of my mind <laughs> it's a great piece of mind to have it's certainly on your mind it's it is awesome. it is so i'm really excited about that but the thing i really wanted to talk about for peace of my mind um i think a lot of people have noticed i've been on more of a health kick um in my topics of conversation and just in my life in general um especially in this new career path is a tattoo artist um something i've become more and more acutely and intimately aware of is skin, the human skin, our biggest organ, our biggest protector, and we should treat it well. Um, so please go get all your checkups. I have had now two clients uh, come in for tattoos with a couple of suspicious looking spots who I have recommended they go ask a doctor about, both of which have since been biopsied and have not had the greatest of results, but we're told that it was caught early enough that they don't need any future treatment, got them cut out and texted me and said, thank you. So look at yourself, go check your skin, take care of your skin. It's the only one we got. SPF is your BFF where every day, 
Yeah. That's my peace of my mind. I don't know. I'm just like on a super huge like skin and health kick lately. And it's the only one we got to go take care of it. You know, Um, we're also concerned about COVID and this and that. And yes, things on the inside of our body are very important, Um, but they're also politicized right now. And I'm so sick and tired of freaking talking about it. Um, It starts on the outside. Yeah, that's, awesome. That's a piece of you my have, mind. It's completely you have some, <laughs> you have some pictures that are incredible transformations. And not that I've ever thought your skin was poor, but certainly right. you know, when you talk about like, lot of using sun some damage. products and going one way or another. And it's something that I need to start thinking about too, because I've got I've got the broken blood vessels in my, you know, and I've got the varicose veins going on already. And it's uh we'll talk. I'll help you build a routine. Yeah. Um, maybe. Uh it's a matter of actually like caring enough to do it and i might just get ugly and accept it if it's too <laughs> we can it's, aim gracefully while still respecting our bodies true uh <laughs> it's just it's it's a matter of uh I, you know and a lot of times like nutrition i know has a lot to do with it and um you know not just topically what you're applying but what you're eating and everything like that we've noticed with our dog so we just started feeding our dog um you know uh making sure that they get all he gets all the nutrients that he's supposed to have and it's funny because the dog food was pretty close to giving him all the nutrients. It was just missing a couple of them and things that I fed in the dog food, you know, two in particular, one that kind of helped the skin better. And he would always get like chafing under his armpits after a long walk and then they helped him breathe better. And he was kind of a snorer. And so it was weird because after like one week, both those things were improved. And it was like, wow, like think about how that must be for human too. There's like 36 or something nutrients that we need to eat. Like you need to consume or else your body doesn't make them. You have to eat them or else your body just won't do the function of the nutrient. And so uh, it's impressive how some people like aren't aware that they're like vitamin D deficient, we'll say. And you can get that from sunlight too. But then like they get some sunlight, they get some something with a lot of vitamin D and they're just like, whoa, where did all this come from? Like my knee's not weak anymore, you know, or something. And you're just like, wow, like you got like a superpower. So that's cool. I love that you're on a health kick. Um, it's something that I'm paying attention to as I get older as well. Um, because there are certain things that I, I, I wouldn't say I'm afraid of getting old, but certain things that I am wary of, you know, and, and you see senility happen. We've talked about it on the show. I'm already noticed that I'm not as sharp as I used to be when I was in my twenties and up and doing speech and debate and everything. I mean, there's no way I can compete nationally. I had no idea. I say that bums me out as often as I do like, but that is just what, that's an old person thing that I'm developing and the knowledge and the awareness of it, you know, helps is the great starting point because then you can say like, Oh, here's where I go from there. Um, but yeah, like Cody, you've actually inspired me. Um, you know, the last few episodes we talked about, um, you've brought up speech and debate and all Mm. the amazing things it did for you in learning how to communicate or just feel more comfortable in your own skin and all of these things. Right. And so I just stuck in my mind and and I've said this several times over the past couple of years that, you know, I just wish that when I was younger and in school that I had the thirst for knowledge that I have today, I would have done so much better. I would have put in so much more effort, things like that. And so I started thinking about, And speech and debate was something I always avoided and drama and stuff like that. I would do like the backstage stuff, costumes and lighting, whatever. I never wanted to be on stage. I was super shy. So I didn't do speech and debate, all this stuff. Um, 
And two things I've looked into recently are like some adult just for kicks speech and debates groups, like community groups that we have around here. And they actually exist. I did not know that people did like extracurricular speech and debate as like a hobby for fun in adulthood. Yeah. Like I thought after college, that was like the last opportunity you got. Yeah. Um, and I also reached out to Risa uh, Willis, who is a college professor and one of the classes she has taught or teaches um, is speech and debate. And I'm like, I basically want to audit your class virtually. So <laughs> I'm going to see if I can make that happen. I think that would be really, really cool. Dude, awesome. Right? So yeah, you inspired yeah. me. I thought that would be really fun. And I thought it might, um, you know, help me as a person do something good for myself, but also might be, um, yes, Dr. Risa Willis, <laughs> but also might be good for the show. I might be able to bring in some new skills or research skills or something. I don't know. And then maybe I'll win a debate. <laughs> You, you both you both always have me uh i mean i've changed my minds because of some stuff each of you have said on the show so as far as i'm concerned that's the point right like learning something new and being able to yeah as you get older i know that and i've mentioned this on the show before too something that scared me when i was younger is they said how you're less likely to be able to change your mind because your neurons your neural pathways harden up and re-solidify yeah. and reinforce and that scares the everything out of me because I've always been one to be like, Oh, my whole being is about taking on new information. And that's what gets me out of the curve. And you're telling me that's going to stop. And so it's like, Oh man, like I better work all these extra pathways really hard. Drugs right. is one way to do it. I'm not doing that way, but I am trying. To do <laughs> I, I have some lovely psilocybin tea waiting for me. Ooh. Oh, Oh, it sounds like a mushroom. Sorry, Brian, go it ahead is. with your. <laughs> Well, this week, a uh, piece of my mind is that the People's Republic of California has passed a brilliant piece of legislation that is going to now require large California retailers to maintain gender-neutral toy and child care areas. Um, basically, this doesn't take effect until 2024, but the idea is that because they have segregated areas that people are being unfairly treated in being able to look for child care items so that now businesses need to go ahead and take these steps to go ahead and make sure that all of their toy areas and child care areas are gender neutral. This is an interesting prospect, um, but it's kind of funny because the person that wrote it, Evan Lowe, who's a, a Democrat, obviously, in California, uh, said that um, really this is just us catching up to the industry because 2015 Target did the same thing and a number of other California retailers have already been doing this all along. So the question is, why do you need the law if the businesses are already doing this? Are you afraid they're going to bounce back? Are you afraid that society is going to change things back? What, what exactly are you concerned with that a law need to be created? And not only that, the law that was created is so vague. It, enforcement is going to be hilarious. Um, the, the, um, that, uh, uh, I'll read you the portion of it. Um, uh, California has total of 500 more employees in stores all across California retail department locations that sell childcare items or toys to maintain a general neutral, gender neutral section or area 
to be labeled at the discretion of the retailer in which a reasonable selection of items and toys for the children that sell shall be displayed, regardless if they've been traditionally marketed to girls or boys. So once again, we're now into the reasonable argument. Reasonable. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And their discretion. At their so discretion. There is no defense against that. It's right. their discretion. So what do you, if their discretion is a blue aisle and a pink aisle. But that's, see, that's the point. The but, law is supposed to be able to discourage that. Now, they don't specifically go into this law, but they were very proud. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they've now, in time of COVID and all the other things going on in the state of California, taken time to not only pass this law but have Newsom sign it this weekend um so that it takes place in 2024 well i i still have a couple questions here though number one if it's that important why are you waiting almost two and a half years <laughs> number two if it's already being done why you're waiting two and a half years and number three if it's that important why did you write such a silly fruitless law that has basically such vague characteristics in it that you are probably both going to be compliant and out of compliance with enforcement at the exact same time. So here's my take on that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is one of those, what I like to call a pretty law, right? Mm -hmm. It's useless, but it's pretty to your constituents. And so if you can slap your name on it, you can get your constituents to go, oh, my God, they care about gender binary and gender yeah. neutrality and all of this. And don't get me wrong. I think that's good. I think, like, there's a point in which, like, acknowledging that we are beyond a binary is a legitimate thing. But stores, as you said, have always done this. I mean, they're already doing it and they're, they've done it to some extent forever, right? Because toy aisles, while there may be boy sections and girl sections, there are and always have been toys that are gender neutral, mm -hmm. right? There are and always have been yellow and green onesies for babies, right? <laughs> like, and even when you walk through Walmart, it's not organized complete. Like there may be more girly things over here that are all dolls and more boyish things over here that are whatever. But as a girl, I never felt unwelcome going to look through the Hot Wheels because that's what I enjoyed was Hot Wheels. You know, it wasn't about a gender. It was, it goes fast and it's cool, you know? Um, the gender thing that we put on people it's on the individual it's not on the stores just put your shit up on a shelf i don't care if it's in al alphabetical order i'll go to what i want i would actually take alphabetical order yeah. right That's, yeah that. where something sits on a shelf in a store is not indicative of to me of you know gender this or gender that unless it's like no boys are allowed on this aisle like Right. No one's ever stopped a little girl from going to buy Hot Wheels or a little boy from going to buy a Barbie or children of any gender, non-binary or whatever, to go buy a box of slime for crying out loud. I mean, that's pretty mm -hmm. much the number one selling toy these days. And that's pretty damn gender neutral. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I, it's... I do sense some danger in this law. <laughs> Because I think that the, one of the issues here is that you're going to get somebody who's like, well, we have we sell a lot of Hot Wheels. So many Hot Wheels that we're gonna, just going to put them all together. 
oh, those are traditionally boy items. Oh, you've got one aisle that is specifically only for traditional boy items. Oh, you've got over 500 employees. And now there's, there's a problem, right? Thing. Yep. There's a problem because now you have X amount of cars that you're selling as opposed to just saying, yeah, we put all the dolls and the cars together. Well, now if that happens, if you have enough to fill up two aisles, one with dolls, one with cars, you actually have to put half your cars in one aisle and half your dolls in one aisle and then half the cars in one aisle, half the dolls in the other aisle. Problem then just becomes from a shopping standpoint, I generally want to look at all the cars on the same aisle if I may. And all the dolls in the same aisle, if I may. And so that is, and now you may not. If you have a certain crown. The best part of that law, Hody, the best part of the law? Yes. Unjustified differences in similar products that are traditionally marketed for either girls or boys will now be able to be more easily identified if similar items are displayed closer to one another in one undivided area in in the retail sales floor. But they already do that. Similar items are stored next to similar items. That's basic inventory layout. Undivided area, though, because then all of a sudden it's like, wait, so can the cars not all go together? Do I have to like every other on the Hot Wheels? What? what Because that's division if I put all the cars together. If you put all the cars together. But I think what it is really, I think the secret thing is this, is that we dump all the toys in one giant pile in the middle of a giant open area and let the kids go ahead and pull through and dig out whatever they want. Yeah. Solves the problem. Yeah. That's just the bin. Yeah. <laughs> Dive bin. into the bin. You're getting a bin full of crap. Make entire toy aisles, a claw game. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Problem that solved. There we go. Problem solved. Uh, yeah. The, uh, yeah, th- that's a goofball law. There are some, so there are sometimes superfluous laws that get eliminated that I am cool with. Uh, this one's or, or this one that's getting added, I guess. But there are some times where you're like, oh, this is already happening anyway. Uh, re- I mean, what? They finally made it illegal to kill Mormons in Missouri like uh, a few years back, like during my lifetime. And they're like, well, people haven't been killing Mormons, but we're just, we're actually updating the law. So now legally you actually can't kill Mormons. Like it's technically been illegal. It's been legal, but nobody's actually been like going out and murdering mormons it's just technically <laughs> been legal you can shoot is there right. was there a season did, you, right. need, did you need to get a stamp did you have your license uh there's a lot of i want i want the deer tag for the mormon tag tag right. i don't believe there was one um so yeah that was when it's more when it's less legal to shoot a deer than a mormon that means you know you probably have some outdated laws and so there's times like that where you're like okay go ahead and do the like, yes, is it a flowery law? Does it look, uh, <laughs> has anyone made sure Ted Cruz isn't killing Mormons? <laughs> ass right now? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I worry about it. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and so sometimes when there are these flowery laws, I understand that it's just personal gain points. And sometimes they actually do nothing, effectively do nothing, and they're just nice things. And then sometimes it's like, well, now all of a sudden California has a precedent to step into your business and make sure that you're doing stuff. And then let's say they do it. So I think it was somebody in FDR's cabinet says, beware of laws that appear to do nothing because the problem is, is they set a precedent to then do something. So now if they have a law that even if it won't do anything, because everybody's already being gender neutral about the aisles, then all of a sudden they'll be like, okay, let's, let's say something crazy. You have to store your condoms where the candy used to be and the candy where the condoms used to be. We're going to swap those around, right? Like, so condoms are just available up front, but candy's got to be all the way in the back. And somebody will challenge that and be like, well, that's California law. You, you can't do that. And they'll be like, oh, sure. There was this law that said where they're allowed to put toys. 
This is just one how to put that. And so what you do is you kind of build them. It's building, right? You, you pass something that's not going to generate a lot of fervor, a lot of heat. Oh, everybody's already doing this anyway. Don't worry about it. Don't challenge it. Nobody's going to want to challenge it. No big deal. And then you put something else on there. And then that something else, you're like, oh. Well, God rolling I, behind well, you is cracking me yeah. up, Hody. Oh, Doug. Yeah. Scratching his own face. Oh, <laughs> hey, you're, you're, you're national, buddy. Oh, <laughs> and of course, now is when he gets camera shy, right? Yeah. Now he doesn't <laughs> want to be an embarrassment. He's like, what? What's going on? <laughs> the, the other funny thing, of course, is that um, that the, at the same this week was that Newsom's ordering uh, class uh, classes, graduating classes must take a ethnic studies course which is based a bit on CRT. So um, that's not helping things either because obviously the slow creep of everything. I, I find it hilarious that they want everyone to still take all these mandatory classes. But if I recall, I had to pass a constitution test to graduate eighth grade. Mm -hmm. I don't hear that happening that much anymore. Nope. So probably not. Yeah, it's one of those when people go overboard with CRT, and I'm just like, but you're not overboard about the Pledge of Allegiance, are you? <laughs> like, yeah, still, still letting people do that. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, you know, totally different conversation. I'm definitely down with the CRT. Maybe that'll be something we can that discuss. I, I think we'll have to wait for it to pop back up because conversation, like, you know, not a hot topic right now. But the next time it comes up, we'll put a pin on that to talk about. Yes, that. So, sure. and, let, let's it. So, end of life decisions. We do have to talk about eliminating the debt ceiling at some point. So these are all stay tuned, everybody. It's going to get fun pretty soon here. Um, thank you both for coming on the show today, Brian, Lou. Thank you for being part of the show. I really appreciate it. Um, when I get that first paycheck, I'll make sure we split it three ways. I think it's probably going to be something in the realm of I'm expecting about five dollars. Could be about six. So I mean, Ooh. we'll I see. Know. We'll see. You know, I don't know what I'm gonna still... do with my dollar sixty-three. <laughs> we're in this kind of dead zone right now, where it's like we're very popular according to my metrics, which is like we're we're pushing the three hundred people range now, and we're growing every week, and it's really exciting. But nobody's gonna pay for advertising if you have three hundred listeners. They pay you a lot of money if you have three million listeners. So we're right. we're getting there. We're getting there. We're we are we a solid one point five percent of the TikToks. Network. I hear that's where all the kids are these days. Yes, doing uh, sexy TikToks with their fifteen year old daughters is what I am. <laughs> <laughs> and that's another issue for another thing too. Oh, <laughs> uh, down with CRT. You know me, Reinhold. Thanks for participating tonight, yeah. buddy. We appreciated thanks, all guys. your comments. That was hilarious hilarious uh everybody who's listening thank you so much for being a part of this amazing revolution called enemy of my enemy it is going swimmingly well and it wouldn't be going as well without you clicking and watching so keep clicking watching sharing there's nothing even to donate to just just clickety clicks and i will be a very happy person but i appreciate y'all i love y'all and you all have an excellent evening we'll see you next week Mwah.